Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us in our series, Easter, The Jesus Way. Jesus is our ultimate example for how we should live our lives. In this series, we are looking at Jesus' ministry, from His calling to His victory over the grave. We are walking alongside His journey to the cross, to His death and burial, and then to His resurrection. Each week, we will be deep diving into chapters 15 through 21 of the Gospel of John, leading us all the way to celebrate Christ's victory over the grave on Easter Sunday. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning to you guys. He is risen. Why do we only say that on Easter? Okay, I mean, it's a really relevant message every week of the year. Okay, I mean, have you noticed that? We only say, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and he is risen on these one Sundays a year. So I just thought I'd start off my day to say, let you know, I know Easter was last week, but the tomb is still empty. Praise God. So that is really, really good news for us today. Um, I have a question for you. If you wanted to start a movement, how would you go about doing that? Let's just say, for example, you had a movement that you wanted to start. How would you make that happen? What are the steps that you would take to create a movement? You would probably start with some kind of compelling vision. And there would be some vision that you have, something that you wanted to see accomplished, and, and, and that in turn would have a movement that would be connected to it. You don't start a movement unless you have some vision for that movement. Usually those movements have a felt need. They have something, a heartfelt need, some heart connection, some emotional connection that someone may have that would move people to act and that would move them to be a part of that. So there's some need that is usually present. Most movements have at them some type of dynamic leadership. Maybe Maybe it's central leadership, maybe it's a group of people, maybe it's an organization. There's some type of of leadership that's brought to movement, and movements have at the center of them a desire to see something happen. Maybe it's a social movement, maybe it's a, a global movement, maybe it's a fundraising movement, you know, where you're trying to raise funds or support for a cause, whatever the case might be. These movements that we can explore this morning, some of them are huge, some of them are medium-sized, some of them are really, really small, some movements are really profound, and some are not that profound at all. But you see that there are these movements that happen around us all the time. And it's this momentum and these things that we see that we can be a part of if we so choose to do so. Have you ever been around when a Chick-fil-A opened in a new town? Or an, an additional Chick-fil-A opens in a, a new area or, or one, you know, five blocks from where the other one might be or whatever the case might be. If you've ever seen a new Chick-fil-A open, well, let's just, just be real. Chick-fil-A is a movement in and of itself. But if you've ever seen a new Chick-fil-A open, it's quite incredible because they open up in a town and what they decide to do is they decide to kind of have this little game that they play where they say the first hundred customers in line on the day of opening will receive free Chick-fil-A for a year. It has been one of my life goals to be able to be one of the first hundred customers. It's never happened. But people take this seriously. And so they will camp out for days, sometimes weeks, in the parking lots of these soon-to-be-open Chick-fil-A so that they can be the first hundred customers in line to receive Chick-fil-A. I have planted a, an idea in some of your minds right now. You're thinking, I love Chick-fil-A. That sounds like something I could do. That sounds like a worthwhile movement because you want to be a part of it. Have you noticed how Apple has created a movement. And I'm not talking about the Fuji, the Granny Smith kind, the Apple products. They have created this movement where we cannot wait to give them $1,400, $1,500 for their newest products. We are on bated breath 
to wait to empty our bank accounts, to get the newest Apple product. It's a movement. There's these retro movements that happen around us all of the time. If you were a kid in the 80s and 90s, you may remember the Reebok pump. Does anybody remember the Reebok pump? A few of you do. Some of you who were born in the 2000s, you're like, oh yeah, I've seen those. They're really, really cool. That's a throwback. We had them in the 80s. And it's a retro movement. They have brought them back. And you can now buy Reebok pumps for like $175. And you can live out your childhood dreams to be able to slam dunk on other people. These movements are all around us. They're around us at any given point if we just keep our eyes open. And so this morning, we're going to talk, though, about the most powerful movement and the movement that God wants each and every one of us to be a part of. And this morning, I want to share with you the role that you have in the greatest movement that the Lord has ever instituted, in the movement that he has put in front of us to be the church, to say yes to his invitation, to be on the front lines of what it is that he has desired for us to do. And this morning, my hope and my prayer is that we would walk away saying, you know what, I want to be able to put that into practice. I wanted to put into practice what it means to be a part of the greatest movement of God. And so my question to you this morning is, are you willing to be used by God? Do you want to be involved in what God has for your life? Do you want to be an innocent bystander or do you want to be an active participant? Someone who says, I'm ready to roll my sleeves up and I'm ready to get in the game. I want to say yes to the invitation of Jesus because see, you have a role in God's plan for the church. You have a role in God's plan for the world. And you can know a lot of things. You can have all the knowledge in the world and all the knowledge in the world doesn't mean that you're a part of the movement. But it's that commitment to say yes. And it's that commitment to say, I want to be all in for what it is that the Lord desires to do in my life. So this morning, my hope and my prayer is that you would realize God desires to use you in his mission. He invites you to the table. And so why don't we open up our hearts this morning to say, Lord, however it is that you want to use me, help me to be able to say yes. Help me to be available for you or whatever your plans, whatever your purposes might be, help me to walk in obedience to you. Will you pray with me to that end this morning? Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for a powerful morning of worship. Thank you for the word. Thank you, God, for um, all that you're going to do in this place today. I pray that you would be honored and glorified in everything that happens. And God, we just give you the praise. We give you the glory. And we pray that you, through your word, would encourage us, equip us, challenge us, Mold us, make us more and more like you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. This morning might feel a little bit like a uh, biology class because we're going to do some dissecting this morning. Some dissecting this movement of the Lord. What is it that Jesus is inviting us to join into? Because on the heels of Easter, on the heels of the, the, the message of the resurrection, we enter into John chapter 21 today, which is a season that you and I live in just like the first disciples did. Did you know that you and I are in the same point of history as the disciples were once Jesus resurrected and shortly 40 days later ascended back to heaven. Sometimes we don't realize that, that we are in the same point in history as these disciples were when Jesus had ascended back to heaven. Because what did Jesus promise us? Jesus promised us that there would be a day that he will return to earth for the second time, call all of us home, and once and for all make everything right. And maybe you're asking yourself that question, has that happened yet? No, it's not happened yet. The reason it has not happened according to scripture is that there are still people that do not know the goodness of God that we're singing about. There are still people that have not said yes to that invitation. There are still people who have not heard. And when that happens, 
Jesus is going to return to earth. He's again going to make everything right and all will be called to heaven who know and love the Lord. And so you and I here in 2023 are in the same point of history. Isn't that pretty cool? Of AD 30, AD 33. And so as these words were an invitation to the disciples, these words are also an invitation to you and I today because we're in this in-between period. So here are these words today, not just as messages to Peter or Thomas, but hear these messages to you. Hear these as words to you, proclamations to you this morning. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 21. You're going to see these words here on the screen as well. Some of them are printed there for you on your worship guide. But in John chapter 21, starting in verses 1 through 6, let's begin to kind of see this, the dissect, what it is that the Lord is trying to teach us this morning about the movement that he has in store for us. So it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large amount of fish. We'll stop there for a second. So Jesus sees his disciples, and they're out on a boat in the Sea of Galilee, and he calls to them, have you any fish? They're out there fishing, because many of them are fishermen. And they respond, no, we haven't caught any fish. And so Jesus says, well, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And when they cast their nets on the other side of the boat, that led to a really large haul of fish. And so Jesus is giving them this proclamation. He's saying, stop doing what you're doing right now. Go to the other side of the boat, and I have something for you on that side of the boat. We pick back up in verse 7. So then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. So Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So Jesus calls to them, says, cast your nets to the other side of the boat. And they catch this large haul of fish. So much so, Peter recognizes that this is Jesus on the shoreline, and so Peter jumps into the water so that he can go be with Jesus. And upon the beach, Jesus has prepared a breakfast meal on the beach, and he asks them to bring what they have caught to come and be a part of that meal. Don't you love the exact representation? 153 fish, not 152, not 154. 153 fish that they caught in this net, and the nets were not broken. And what is this trying to show us? What is it that John's trying to show us through these, these reminders, through all of this detail, through all of this, the, the, these stories about fish and catching fish, and they're not able to catch fish, and also Jesus changes the command and says, go to the other side of the boat, and all of a sudden they start catching fish. See, what John's trying to get us to understand here is that from the beginning, 
before the disciples were ever called and to us today, Jesus' desire, he never stops meeting your needs. Jesus never stops meeting your needs. Isn't that incredible news today? That Jesus never stops meeting your needs. I mean, think about the lives of the disciples. Before they were ever called, Jesus was meeting their needs because he knew what was coming for them, that they were going to struggle. He put forth this beautiful act of worship called the Lord's Supper, which we celebrate today. He did that to say, so that you'll remember me. It's physically meeting a need. It's spiritually meeting a need in their life. Think about the life of Jesus, the ministry, the public ministry that he had. He was all about meeting people's needs, meeting the needs of the disciples because they had abandoned everything to follow Jesus. And he met their needs. Maybe you remember those stories where Jesus fed thousands of people with a little boy's lunch. What's the heart of that story? It's meeting needs. There was a hillside of people and there was nowhere for them to go to eat. And so Jesus was meeting their needs. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was meeting the spiritual needs of those around him. He looks at the thieves on the cross and the one who confesses to know him, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. He's meeting the spiritual needs of people And here, post-resurrection, post-resurrection, he's getting ready to ascend back to heaven in a little bit. He's still meeting the needs of his disciples because they had not caught any fish. And he says, let me give you a little pointer. Go to the other side of the boat. And then they caught some fish. See, for the movement that the Lord was calling them to and the movement that the Lord is calling us to, may we never forget that Jesus never stops meeting your needs. That is an incredible promise for us today. It was a promise that was good for them, and it's a promise that is good for us today. Jesus is the source. Jesus is our provider. It says back in verse 6 that when they threw to the right side of the boat, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. See, Jesus' supply for the needs that you have in your life, it is never-ending. Jesus' resources never run dry And perhaps you need to be reminded of that this morning. Maybe you're going through some hardships. Maybe you're going through some challenges. Maybe you're going through some unknown seasons of life. Maybe you're going through a season where you don't know if everything is going to be provided for you. Know that you don't have to worry. When you trust Jesus, Jesus will meet all of your needs. He specializes in doing immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And who does Jesus meet the needs of? Does Jesus meet the needs of just the people who have it all together already? Does Jesus meet the needs of the people who were perfect? Does Jesus meet the needs of the people who never had any struggles, who never had any challenges in their life? Absolutely not. Jesus was meeting the needs of everyone. And this is one of the most incredible things about the movement that Jesus is inviting us into. It's a very upside-down methodology. Because Jesus is actually meeting needs for people that are not interested in knowing him. That are not interested in pursuing that relationship with him. Even his own disciples who struggled, whether they were deniers or whether they were doubters, Jesus is still meeting their needs. I mean, when you look at the first century disciples, these are the spokespeople. The spokespeople for the risen Savior. And I'm thinking to myself, these were the best people that you could find? I mean, who's on the boat? Thomas is on the boat. Literally the day before, Thomas says, if I don't see the nail scars in his hands, if I can't put my hand into his side, I am not going to believe. And Jesus shows him 
the scars in his hands. And now he's out on the boat and he's seeing that same miracle. You think about Peter, who could not even acknowledge knowing Jesus in the face of minor adversities. And now Peter gets to see these miracles. And now Peter is the one that is referred to as the rock a little bit later that the church is built upon. See, it's a very upside down methodology for what most of us would do. But what Jesus is reminding us is that I'm going to meet the needs and I'm going to use greatly those people that the world may not even deem valuable. That the world may say, uh, is there anybody else? Is there anybody that has a, a little bit better background, maybe a little bit more education, a little bit more higher social standing, so to speak? But in this movement that the Lord has invited us into, the Jesus way, the invitation of Jesus, may we recognize this morning, and you see this here on your notes, may you recognize today that broken people are prime subjects in Jesus' eyes. This is good news for all the broken people in the room. (laughs) Broken people, unless we forget, we're all the broken people. Broken people are prime subjects in Jesus' eyes. Go to verse 15. When they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. So this is this message to Peter. Do you love me? Yes. Then feed my lambs. See, this is a moment that shows you that this invitation is not an invitation to a perfect people, but rather a group of strugglers, a group of people who are in need In fact, that's truly the best place for you and I to be in our life. When we're so desperate for God, when we're so in need for God, when we're so at the end of ourself, when we're desperate for Him, when we realize that intersection of being desperate for God and wherever God is working in the world, desperate for God and whatever it is that God wants to do, it's at that intersection that God uses us the most, that God meets us even in our brokenness and says, you're a prime subject to be used in my economy in my kingdom. See, truly the best place to be in life is to say, you know what, I'm in utter desperation. I'm so broken, and I want to say yes to the movement. Please know, friends, that there's nothing about your past, nothing about your past that sidelines you from being used by God. There's not the mistakes that maybe you're embarrassed of. There's not the sin that you've struggled through. There's not the the errors that you've made. There's not the things that you've said that you wish you wouldn't have said, the things that you've done that you wish you wouldn't have done. Whatever those things might be, know that nothing, if surrendered to Jesus Christ, and if given to him, there's nothing about that past that would preclude you from being used by God. And so this morning, may we say, you know what, I want to live at that intersection of realizing my utter desperation for him and what it is that he is seeking to do and that I want to say yes to him in that moment. See, the mark of following Jesus is that state of the heart. It's saying, what do I do with that invitation? What do I do with the invitation that the Lord has given me? Because to Peter, he says, if you love me, feed my sheep. He reminds the disciples of that many times. So it's in front of us all today to say, what are we going to say to that invitation? What do we say to that invitation that Jesus has given us? It's been my experience that when we get an invitation of any kind, there's a couple of ways that we can respond. We can say yes to the invitation. We can say no to the invitation. Or we can say maybe, which is just a really nice Southern way of saying no. I mean, think about it. I mean, has a maybe ever turned to yes? No. 
You have never said maybe to any invitation that came a yes. I mean, maybe always goes no. It's just a really kind way for us to say, I'm thinking about saying no. I just respect you enough to not say no right now to your face. So I'm going to say maybe, and we'll deal with that. I mean, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. When a kid asks you to do something, one of your precious children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews or a kid that you teach, they ask you to do something and you respond with the proverbial, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see is never becoming yes. I mean, we'll see is just a kind way to say, please leave me for a second and maybe you'll forget about that request that you just gave me. I'm honest with you guys and you're laughing. Some of you are like, judge on because we do it. I mean, we all do it. The we'll see is just kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I probably won't get there. Jesus gives us this invitation and you know, as funny as it may be, it's really the same kind of scenario at play. When Jesus says, will you be involved with what I'm, with what I'm doing? It, it, it's yes or it's no. And now we struggle along those ways and, and we seek ways to, to be more and more involved. But my hope and my prayer is that this morning, we wouldn't be people who say maybe, but that we would be people who say, yes, this is what Jesus is inviting me to do. And so I boldly want to say yes. I want to be a part of what it is that he is doing. So go back to the text, back to verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said then to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Well, and Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Well, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So to Peter, he's asking him these questions. And it's not a trick question. Even though it was repeated three times, it's a very honest question that Jesus is asking Peter. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Well, then go feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Then go feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Then go feed my sheep. He says, go feed my lambs. Go feed my sheep. Go feed my sheep. Isn't it interesting that progression of lambs to sheep to sheep? Meaning that we have to care about the next generation. We have to care about the littles among us. We have to care about raising this next generation to know and love the Lord. It's not just the kids, it's the adults as well. We have to have have a calling to seek to protect and and to feed and, and to bring life to other people. And he refers to these others that we are responding to or that we're seeking to go and to make a difference in their lives of a sheep. And I don't know if we have any shepherds in the room or I don't know if we have anybody that's ever raised a sheep before. Um, but if you have, um, you could come up here and give us a testimony. They're really not that smart. They're kind of low on the animal kingdom in terms of their ability to have lots of good things going for them. I mean, they're herding animals. Uh, did you know that sheep have been known, if the lead sheep, if they kind of get out of the control of the shepherd and they find some lead sheep who just goes rogue and walks off a cliff, there have been entire herds of sheep that have been known to dive after them just because they're like, let's just see where he goes, they can't really take care of themselves. Maybe you've seen some of those YouTube videos of a lost sheep that has like hundreds of pounds of wool on it because they don't shed. 
and they can't shear themselves. They're in constant need of someone else meeting their needs, in constant need of a provision of someone else. They're yearning for a shepherd. They're desperate for someone to take care of them. And Jesus tells us that the invitation that we are saying yes to is to step into the lives of other people who are also desperate and who are also in need and who also need to be reminded of his plan and his provision for them. See, that's one of our number one priorities. One of the number one invitations that the Lord is inviting us into today is to say, will you be willing to say yes to go and feed my sheep? And to Peter, it was, it was a metric. When Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Every time the qualifier that Jesus was putting on that, then go feed my sheep. Then go be involved. Go say yes. It was this incredible metric, and it's a metric that's the same for us today, something that we should be evaluating ourselves against, something that we should say, am I willing to be involved in ministry the way that Peter was. In fact, on your notes, you see it here, but see, loving people and meeting needs and serving others, that's the natural overflow of a heart changed by Christ. Loving people, meeting needs, and serving others, that's the natural overflow of a heart changed by Jesus Christ. And what Jesus is saying here to his disciples, keep in mind, we're in the same point in history. So these are words that are relevant for us today. Jesus is saying to each of us, if you are with me, this is what you'll do. This is the invitation that you're saying yes to. If you're really a part of what I'm seeking to do in my kingdom, then there'll be love for people. There'll be meeting the needs of other people. There'll be serving the sheep, serving others, all those things that are that natural overflow of a heart changed by God. If you love me, Peter, then go feed my sheep. I'm actually a really big fan of using this as a self-evaluation tool. I think it's a, a, an incredible metric for ourselves. Perhaps in the mornings we would wake up and we would say, am I growing in my love for Jesus Christ? And if I'm not, then let me do some course correction today. The second question is, am I growing in my love for people? And if not, let me do some course correction. The third question, am I seeking to meet more needs in people's lives today than I was this time last year? And if not, let me do some course correction. Am I seeking to say yes to more of the things that the Lord is asking me to do than I was this time last year? And if not, let me do some course correction. It's very practical, but yet a really tangible metric for our lives to say, am I growing? And saying yes to what it is that the Lord is wanting us to do. And you see this played out all the time. We see this played out all the time here in the life of our church, people who are growing and they're growing in their faith journey. They're saying yes to the things that the Lord is asking them to do. And it's so encouraging. It's so encouraging to see that and to, to see those, those moments and to hear those stories where you see others who are, who are saying, I don't want to sit on the sidelines anymore, but I want to be involved in what it is. I, I want to grow in my love for people. I want to grow in my meeting needs of others. I want to grow in my serving capacity. And just this week, um, we've had a, a, a lady here in the life of our church that has gone through some really severe health concerns and some diagnosis that they were unclear of and they have since found that uh, it's a cancer diagnosis in the midst of a few other things as well. And she serves so faithfully here in the life of our church in many places, but one of the places that she can be seen every week is serving in our family ministry area. Never misses shows up early, stays late, is willing to get in there and 
proclaim the beautiful story of the gospel to, to, to little kids and uh, preschoolers and kids. And she has been in and out of the hospital this week and treatments and started radiation and chemotherapy and all those things. And this week, one of our staff members got a note from her that said, hey, I'm doing okay. I just wanted to let you know I won't be there on Sunday. <laughs> and I thought to myself, the fact that that's where your heart even is, the fact that you just got dismissed from the hospital with your first radiation therapy treatment, and one of your first calls was to make sure that Rolling Hills Community Church knew that you wouldn't be able to upkeep on your family ministry serving slot, I thought to myself, this is a person who is growing in a beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ that says, I want to meet needs of other people. I think about some of our incredible high school students here. We have awesome things that happen here on Wednesday nights. We have this phenomenal uh, new ministry called The Gathering that started. We have a men's group that meets on Wednesday morning. And there's just setup that's connected to those things, tables and chairs and all those things that have to be moved. Do you know that our high school students here in the life of our church will stick around after their own programming and tear down those chairs, set up those chairs, come early, do whatever needs to happen? And I think to myself, that is a beautiful beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of teenagers saying, I want to say yes, and I want to be involved. I want to grow in helping meet needs in whatever way I can. I think about this worship team and all of our core team volunteers that serve every week. These folks, they get here so early on a Sunday morning on their off day (laughs) to lead us into worship, to lead us from the back, to lead us here, to to show up early and hold doors and greet people, whatever the case might be. And I think to myself, why are they doing that? They're doing that because they say, I want to grow in my love and my service for other people. I think about those of you that host community groups in your home. Every week, the people keep coming, don't they? We put out these passionate pleas. We need people to open up their homes And you say yes, and then you realize, oh, they actually meant it. People actually signed up for this group, and they show up every week. I mean, think about it. You have your own kids in your house, and you've invited other people's kids into your house. Why would you do that? You do that because you love Jesus. And you say, you know what? Loving people, meeting needs, and serving others, that is the natural overflow in my life of a heart that is changed by Christ. I think about what happens here on a Tuesday night with our care night ministry, where we have grief share and divorce care and people who are walking through really difficult seasons, difficult situations, mournful seasons of life. And we have incredible volunteers that will step up every week and say, you know what? I want to use the difficult parts of my story to help someone else walking through their journey. Why does that happen? It's because of an overflow of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because see, what's always on the inside always comes out. And my prayer is that we would say yes to that invitation and that what would come out in our lives is more and more of Jesus and less and less of the world. And as Jesus was calling Peter, it's the same call to us today. There is no greater call in life than to follow Christ. There is no greater call, no greater invitation in our life than for us to follow Christ. Back in verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. 
You can follow a lot of calls. You can pursue a lot of agendas, but this is the most serious call. That call to say yes to the gospel. That call to say yes to what it is that the Lord has done for you through Jesus Christ, taking the cross, conquering death, all the sin in our life can be taken. And then he calls us to go, and he calls us to go, and commissions us to go be involved in the lives of others. It's a, it's a call to die to ourself. It's a call to our own martyrdom. It's not an easy call at all to deny yourself, to put Christ first, to put others first, and to put me second, but it's worth it. And my prayer is that we could count you in and that you would realize he's the one who is guiding you, and he's the one who does what only he can do. Scroll down with me to verse 25. The concluding verse of the Gospel of John, Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Why is this how it ends? It ends this way because what Jesus is trying to show us is that the goodness, the trustworthiness, and the faithfulness of God is beyond your human comprehension. That's the cool thing about this invitation. The goodness, the trustworthiness, and the faithfulness of God is beyond your human comprehension. God is so great, and that's why you can trust him. And John evidently knew that there were so many miracles and so many stories that didn't get included in the Gospels. He says there is not enough space in the entire world to talk about all the good things that God has done. Doesn't that make you wonder what was left on the cutting room floor? Because what we have here is pretty cool. I mean, some of these miracles are incredible. And I'm like, what happened that we don't know about? This side of heaven, and I can't wait for those moments for us to know in full and to see all of this, but God invites us and reminds us how good he is and how trustworthy he is. And I pray that you have seen that because we have seen that here as a church. This church is not this building. This church is you. And we've met at different places throughout the course of our history. Four years ago, we were meeting over at Nolensville Elementary School, setting up and tearing down every week. And I praise God for the story that he wrote to bring us here into this place. It's a God story that can only be described by him. But the best days for Rolling Hills Community Church, they are not in the past. We look eagerly ahead for what's to come because you are the church living out that mission I think about what happened last week with baptisms. If you weren't here at our first service, you might have missed the baptism of Jackson Webb, one of our high school students. And I actually have a picture that I want to show you. And Jackson is the young man here in the middle, uh, flanked by four of his friends. And um, Jackson has a story to tell, and it's an incredible one. And I hope and pray that you get to hear it in its totality at some point in life. But I think about these incredible students that are unashamed to say, I know Jesus. In a culture that's not popular to proclaim knowing Jesus, in a society that says, mm, maybe we need a little bit less of Jesus, and then you have young men like Jackson and all the others that were baptized last week that say, no, I actually want to make much of him. So much so, I want to read to you what Jackson posted on Instagram. I went to his Instagram page, and he has one post. So he's a very not social media friendly guy. So he has one post. And I got his permission to share. And this is what he said with this picture. Best decision I've made. This has been the hardest year of my life, and the Lord has been with me every step of the way. I'm so thankful for friends and family that the Lord has provided me with. All glory be to God. Happy Easter. Hashtag Jesus is King. <laughs> 
And I think to myself, Jackson said yes to the invitation. Many of you have said yes to that invitation, but the Lord desires to do something in our midst. He desires to do something in your life. And my hope and my prayer is that you would make a commitment right here, right now to say, Lord, I want you to work through me. I will make less and less of myself, more and more of you, so that you will do whatever and you can do whatever you want to do in and through my life as I seek to make myself available for you. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with someone in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.